Hello Saints, Todd here with SafeguardYourSoul.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are so blessed to have these moments together in the Word of God. And remember, Saints, there's nothing, there's nothing, no thing happening Hello, Saints, on God's Todd planet here that is SafeguardYourSoul.com. Thank you so much as for tuning in. We are so blessed to have these moments together in the Word Christ of God. And remember, Saints, there's nothing, there's nothing, no thing happening on God's planet that is even the remotely as scriptures. And let me just guarantee you this one thing: God, the grace of God, this outreach of Jesus Christ, for whom He died to save, genetically and they can be edified, they can be equipped, regardless of who gets offended or not. In Jesus' name. And please remember that your prayers and support are vital to this endeavor to preach the whole of the Word of God, regardless of who gets offended or not. In Jesus' name. And please remember that your prayers and support are vital to this operation. Thank you. Have you ever searched for those terms, those phrases that we so often hear that are taught as if they're part of the gospel? And no, let me help you out, and I hope you'll do your own direct study of the scriptures, because you'll find that neither of these terms appear anywhere in scripture, not in word. And somebody says, well, the word Trinity doesn't appear in scripture, and it's true. Well, the triune nature of the Godhead is true, but that appears in scripture. First John 5, 7, there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. But does once saved, always saved, or eternal security, the words appear in scripture? No. Does the concept appear in scripture? Not as the teaching of the Lord. It does appear, but it's the teaching of Satan in the Garden of Eden. When he told the man and woman that they they would not surely die after God said that they shall surely die, and they did die. They were separated. Death, die, always means separation. They were removed from his presence. Previously, there was no sin in the world. They were perfectly in communion with God, but when they sinned, because he is unchangingly, eternally divine and holy, 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 he separated them from his presence. I want you to look at that yourself. Genesis 2, 17 and 3, 4. Chapter 2, verse 17 and chapter 3, verse 4. You see, it was Satan who changed the word of God in the Garden of Eden, which led to the fall of man. And that's what you have going on here when you have people insisting that you're eternally secure, that you're once saved, always saved. Now, who's lying? Let's talk about a few scriptures in this short message. Matthew 25, 1 through 13, Jesus is given the parable of the bridegroom and the ten virgins. And he said, the kingdom of heaven is like unto ten virgins that will espouse, they were engaged to the bridegroom. Now, aren't we espoused to Christ? Yes. We're not married to him as his bride yet. That's when he comes back or when we die. Revelation 21, he is the bridegroom. We are the bride. We're going to be in New Jerusalem. But notice Jesus says in Matthew 25, 1 through 13, that only five of the ten versions that were espoused to the bridegroom actually made it into the bridal chamber.
chamber that would represent eternity with God. The five others, the foolish virgins, did not remain in fellowship close to and therefore having the oil in their vessels to light their way to the end, to the bridal chamber. And so they were shut out. They were shut out. So how do we see once saved, always saved? The concept of that, that doesn't sound like once saved, always saved to me. The Apostle Paul, here's another one. Romans 11, 20 through 22. The Apostle Paul is warning the Gentile Christians. Now, let me stop and say this. These folks are so deceptive. Don't be hoodwinked by them. God gave you the faculties, the ability to reason, to read and reason and compare and to search the scriptures and test every teaching against the word of God. So don't let any man exercise witchcraft over your mind to try to force something on the text that does not appear. We've already discovered that once saved, always saved, and eternally secure or eternal security, none of that appears in scripture, not in word or in concept other than to be the teaching of Satan that led to the fall of man. And it's leading to the fall and the damnation of millions who were once saved and yet died like the five foolish virgins, thinking they were eternally secure. They had a pass to sin, you see, as if salvation from God is that cheap that Jesus just came to the earth to give you a free pass. You can live any way you like and it's okay. Is that what the Bible teaches? Not at all. In fact, Jesus says this. He says that if you don't cut off the hand and pluck out the eye, your whole body is going to be cast into hell forever where the worm dieth not, neither is the fire ever going to be quenched. Mark 9, 43-49, over and over, he keeps repeating himself, a severe warning from Jesus of damnation to all who die in sin. Ezekiel 18, for the soul that sinneth, it shall die, period. The wages of sin is still death. Romans 6, 23. How about Numbers 32? I believe it's 32, 23. Be sure your sin will find you out. But wait a minute, brother. God sees me through the blood of Jesus. Is that biblical? Where does the Bible say that? Let's just read the Bible and get rid of the cliches and the rose-colored glasses that have been put on us by false teachers who are the very ungodly men who are turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness or a license for sin. Notice this lie that God sees you through the blood of Jesus, even if you're living in rebellion, is refuted throughout Scripture. Notice 1 John 1, 7. Now, folks, I'm giving you the reference to every verse I'm quoting here. You better go read this yourself. Who knows if I'm not just making all this up, right? How do you know what the Bible says if you're not studying diligently and daily to show your own self-approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth? 2 Timothy 2.15. That is well. It says in First John one seven. This is what it says verbatim: If if we walk in the light, as He God is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. That is fellowship with God, and the blood of His Son Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Notice the 
condition. God doesn't just give his salvation to everybody. They have to appropriate it or meet the conditions to receive it. No, they're not earning it. He did that for them. But the Lord has requirements and conditions, like it or not. Now, some folk, they're just, they can't stand that truth. Why? Because they have never really repented. Their life is not given over to the Lord. They're living, they're all about themselves. You know, it's all about the next house they're going to get, the next plate of food, ice cream, place they're going to consume and waste money. That's what their life is all about, a consumerism lifestyle. They're all about feeding the flesh. They have never truly repented. If they had, they'd be denying themselves, taking up their cross and following Jesus. Notice 1 John, the Apostle John says, if and only if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of his son Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. So the blood of Jesus Christ after he saves you only cleanses you as you walk in the light of truth. And that means obeying the truth. That's another word people hate. Oh, you're a legalist. Let me get this straight. Obeying Jesus, the one you claim saved you, makes one a legalist or a works-based salvation? Are you serious? That is how far we've come. Listen, Jesus said, do you want to hear the words of Jesus? Some people don't. See, they want to use Jesus to save them from hell, but they don't want anything to do with getting to know him. He's going to say, depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, Matthew 25, 40 and 41 and 46. I never knew you. Notice what he says in Matthew 7, 21. Jesus said this concerning the judgment, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Obedience. If you're not obeying him, you don't love him. No, you don't obey him in order to earn his salvation, but if you love him, you will obey him. Faith without works is dead. James chapter 2. What kind of fruit is your life producing? See, the fruit will point to the root according to Jesus' teachings. And the root determines the fruit. What kind of fruit is being produced in your life? If it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love and joy and peace, long-suffering, gentleness, temperance, etc., and the good works of the gospel, the obedience of the Great Commission, etc., and walking in the love of God, if that's what's coming out of your life, it's because you're rooted, you're abiding in Christ. Speaking of abiding, that means to remain in, to continue in. It's a completely and intentionally neglected New Testament teaching. It's all over the New Testament. That's John 15, verse 6. Jesus is speaking there of those who are, quote, in him, unquote. And he says, if you don't abide, remain, continue in me, you will be cut off your branch. You're going to be cut off and cast into the fire. That doesn't sound like once saved, always saved to me. Does that sound like eternal security to you? No. The only ones who are eternally secure are those who are already in heaven with Jesus. That doesn't mean that his people aren't saved now, but the picture scripture gives is to remain in him, to cut off the hand, to pluck out the eye, to get away from it, stay away from it, keep away from all that offends God, lest your whole body be cast into hell. Mark 9, 43-49. Again, you can be cut off. He's specifically talking to Gentile Christians. 
the Bible is written to the Christians. See, but you got some people that are such beguilers that they want to try to pick and choose what actually applies to Christians. It all does, especially under the New Covenant. Now, notice that believers under the New Covenant are more accountable than those that were under the Old Covenant. What these deceivers will teach you is that it's just the opposite of what the Bible teaches. So they teach that because Jesus came, this is what they promulgate, this idea that because Jesus has come and shed his blood, then it's a greater covenant, and therefore we have more leeway, liberty, and we can, it doesn't matter how you live on earth, you know, you're saved. You're washed in the blood of Jesus. But the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 10 that we're actually more accountable than they were under the Old Covenant. In fact, he even uses the Old Covenant judgment of God and said it's going to be worse on you if you transgress and you walk away from God. Saints, let me ask you something. How in the world do we figure that the grace of God changed his definition of sin? It didn't. God didn't change. He's still holy, holy, holy. And without holiness, Hebrews 12, 14, no man shall see the Lord. I'm sorry. How does that spell once saved, always saved? How does that say that you're eternally secure? I'm sorry. I'm just trying to understand the scripture. Why does the scripture not mean exactly what it says? Can you explain that to me? Hebrews 10, 26. Does this need an explanation? Listen to this. For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but of certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries, the enemies. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses, that is, under the old covenant, in one place. 250 of God's people was swallowed up and went straight into hell. Incredible story. That's Numbers chapter 16. Go read for yourself, his own people. So he says here, Hebrews 10, 28, that those who despised Moses' law without mercy died without mercy. They were given no mercy under two or three witnesses. Then he says, of how much sorer, that means more severe punishment, suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God. That's the blood of Jesus he's speaking of. That's the Son of God who has come and shed his blood to save us. And he's warning that we will receive more severe punishment than they did under the old covenant. Notice, and had counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified, saved and sanctified. You can't be sanctified unless you're saved. An unholy thing and had done despite unto the spirit of grace. So we're reading in the writer of Hebrews, led by the Holy Ghost, tells us that we're going to receive more severe punishment if we trod under foot the Son of God and count the blood of the covenant. Jesus said he gave us a new covenant in his blood. Matthew 26, 28. And that's exactly what he's talking about here. And he says we're going to receive worse punishment than they did under the old covenant. If we trodden underfoot the Son of God and count the blood of the covenant, we were sanctified. We were saved in the past. We've been saved. An unholy thing and hath done despite under the spirit of grace. Yet we're told by the 
the beguilers, the wolves, the ungodly men who turned the grace of God into lasciviousness, that we're free to sin, basically. Now, if you say that to them, they're going to go, oh, no, you're not free. And then, But then when you press them on the issue and say, wait a minute, so if I die, if I've been saved and I die living in adultery, for example, or fornication or drunkenness, living in those sins, I'm still going to heaven, right? And they'll say, well, well yeah, well, yeah. Because, see, they've got to uphold the once saved, always saved doctrine, which is a doctrine of devils. They're going to sacrifice the word of God and the character of God. See, this grossly perverts the character and the attributes of God given to us in Scripture, which is why it's so important to know God for yourself through daily study of the Scriptures. And perhaps some of you, the Lord is going to tell you to leave. He's going to convict you to leave any fellowship with this lie of once saved, always saved has snuck into the garden sanctuary where God is the one that's supposed to be worshipped, just like the snake slithered into the garden of Eden and deceived the man and woman. What did he do? He said, you will not surely die. You're not going to come under consequence if you sin. Well, they did. God kicked them out of his presence. Go read it in the third chapter of Genesis. But notice he's changing the word of God, just like these deceivers who perpetrate this fraud on people that they're once saved, always you're not once saved, always saved. And then again, somebody says, well, that's a workspace salvation. No, you're called to work out, not for your salvation, but you're to do it with fear and trembling. There it is again. And you're to walk with Christ. This is about a relationship or it's not at all. You see, again, a lot of people don't like this truth because it's personal responsibility on them. And they're not ready to give up their lives in this world. Well, just why don't you just admit it? And you're not saved. If he's not the first priority, the first love of your life, he says you are in need of repentance. Anytime Jesus says to repent, it's because somebody is not right with him. And if Jesus is just your little cosmic bellboy that delivered salvation to you, and you said, get away, I don't want any part to do with you. I don't want the lordship of Christ in my life. I don't want to have to obey him. You don't love and know him. You're just trying to use him to get what you want, to get yourself out of hell. But do you think he doesn't see that? God knows the intent of every heart. He sees your heart as an open book. He knows exactly what you've chosen to do and believe. Be not deceived, the scripture says, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. You're not going to fool God, my friend. You either love him supremely above yourself and everyone else, or you're not worthy of him, and you will not receive eternal glory. You're going to be cast into the lake of fire. Notice, too, that it's going to be worse for you in hell, eternal conscious suffering, than if you'd never known him. Notice this, and again, friends, I'm asking the question. God gave you common sense. In other words, he gave you the ability to reason. Isaiah 1, he tells his people, come, let us reason together. He gave you the faculty to reason, faculties to reason. So let me ask you again, when I read these words of Scripture, Second Peter 2, 20 and 21, listen to these words of Scripture and tell me if this sounds like eternal security, unconditional eternal security to you. Quote, For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again 
entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. That is self-interpretive, saints. We need to let God speak for himself and stop following beguilers who have exercised witchcraft over our minds and our faculties. They have wielded this witchcraft and promulgated this idea, this notion, this heresy that you can't lose your salvation. If you die in sin, you're going to hell forever doesn't matter you were born again as a little kid and you walk with God up until you died and yet you turned away from God in the end you died in sin are you saying sin could disqualify me from being with Jesus well how many sins did it take for Adam and Eve to be kicked out of God's presence I'm just asking a question we always get this well what if I died in a car accident while I'm living in sin you going to hell that's what the testimony of scripture says all the way through this isn't about you it's about the Lord he doesn't dance around you or live to serve. The world doesn't revolve around you, sinner. It's time for you to repent. You're a filthy, self-serving sinner is what you are, if that's what you think. As if God's eternally divine attributes all of a sudden change because he saves high and mighty you. you got to be kidding me. You are a sinner and need to repent. You're a filthy devil is what you are, if that's what you believe. Jesus didn't come to die to just be you little servant. He's the almighty, the God of heaven and earth who made all that is. And he made you and will damn you to hell if you die in sin. You better repent, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him and lay the axe to the root of everything, every sin that causes you to be an offense to him, to cut off the hand, to pluck out the eye, lest your whole body be cast into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where your worm, your consciousness, dieth not. Repent. Ezekiel 33, 12 and 13, and we will try to close it up right here. Listen to the words of Scripture. They're self-interpretive. Listen to the words of God. Therefore, thou son of man, the Scripture says, say unto the children of thy people, the righteousness of the righteous shall not deliver him in the day of his transgression. As for the wickedness of the wicked, he shall not fall thereby in the day that he turneth from his wickedness. Repentance. Neither shall the righteous be able to live for his righteousness in the day that he sinneth. Notice, in the day that he sinneth. Well, interesting. He gives a time frame. Verse 13, Ezekiel 33. When I shall say to the righteous that he shall surely live. In other words, you're saved. You have eternal life. Live. Notice life in Christ. When I shall say to the righteous. Notice he's talking about the righteous, not the wicked right here. When I shall say to the righteous that he shall surely live if he trust to his own righteousness and commit iniquity all his righteousness shall not be remembered but for his iniquity it cancels out all righteousness saints but for his iniquity that he hath committed he shall 
die for it. Interesting. Remember, those who trodden underfoot the Son of God and count the blood of the covenant that Christ cut with the Father when he shed his blood, an unholy thing, are going to receive more severe judgment, punishment, than those who died by transgressing under Moses' law. I pray that God will grant your heart repentance, real repentance, under everlasting life, which will always produce the fruit of a crucified life of a disciple who denies himself daily, takes up his cross, and follows Jesus for real, authentically. SafeguardYourSoul.com Well, brothers and sisters, it's been a blessing to spend these moments with you in the Word of God. And remember, there's hundreds of more Christ-centered, scripture-rich, edifying podcasts on SafeguardYourSoul.com forward slash audios. There's also a store page with several many books on there for your edification in Christ. They're all scripture-rich and Christ-centered. Also, tens of thousands of saints and sinners are being reached every month, and your prayers are coveted for the fruitfulness and supply of this outreach. God be praised, by the way, for those who are supporting, and feel free to visit our donate page on the site, and you can use your debit card, PayPal, or Patreon, and you can become a monthly sustaining member if you choose to do so, and a gift of any amount is so appreciated. Part of this outreach is to equip and supply other ministering disciples across our great country and all over the world. And may God be praised that there's fruitfulness happening among his people and through his beloved saints as we know that the return of our Lord Jesus Christ draws nigh. And we say together in the words of Revelation 22, even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen. 